0: Everyone has a favorite cultural commentator. With the insane amount of reviews and hot takes on pop culture, it's so overwhelming. But I found myself always leaning towards my guest this week. He's a writer, and his work has appeared in The New Yorker, The Guardian, The LA Times. He's all over the place. He loves clothes. He loves comedy. He's written comedy. He's a nice guy. And he hosts one of the best podcasts around. And his name is Dave Schilling. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo. My guest this week is Dave Schilling. We chat about the films that got him into clothes, his epic podcast, Galaxy Brains with Joan Array, Representation and Fashion, David Lynch Fits, our love of the night openings Instagram, Bistro Vibes, Why the Fit Pick is the Best Way to Express Yourself, Martin Short and Clifford, and why he believes trends don't matter anymore. So, on Galaxy Brain, how how long have you been doing Galaxy Brain? I mean, because I, I feel like it's a pod that's been around forever. But oh, well, thank you for saying that. But we started in March, so right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing, right? Because I'm just like you and Jonah are so just like locked in sync. I think it's very hard to have a good co, <laughs> good like co-host and partner. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, well it it feels like Galaxy
1: Brains has been on for a long time. Because we really made an effort to find a combination of people that mm-hmm. already were friends. Like, I was brought into the project first. And right. I was asked, hey, do, who do you think you would want to host a podcast with? And I said, well, my first preference would be my friend Joan Ray. I just have to ask him and see if he wants to do another podcast because he's a busy
0: guy. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know he's he's doing another season of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, which comes out very soon. He's directing episodes of that. He um, is directing Kurt Braunohler's stand up special that's coming out soon. So he's got stuff going on. Mm. And I was like, well, what if Jonah says no? (laughs) I got to get somebody who's my friend because it is so much of podcasting is about the parasocial relationship. That is the BS uh-huh industry buzz <laughs> term for oh these guys seem like they're friends i oh, they seem like they have a good time together they've known each other for a long time so we were able to get like started faster because we knew each other and we've known each other for a long time
0: yeah and i i think at least from you know because i had seen the youtube stuff you had done the cinemascope stuff and a few other things oh god thank you
1: holy shit you really have done your research jeremy <laughs>
0: For I'm people not that much of a clown.
1: No, I didn't say you were a clown. I'm just I'm flattered. So for people that don't know, I did a movie review web series called uh, Cinema Cope that was on the Super Deluxe YouTube channel, which is of course gone now. I was able to rescue those episodes uh, from internet destruction, and now they're sitting on my unused personal YouTube channel. So if you want to Google Dave Schilling CinemaCope, you can find those. Episodes. Oh, yeah.
0: I'll, I'll put it I'll put it in the in the show notes because yeah they they hold up and they are very, very funny. Wow. OK, great. Yeah. So th- I, I don't know if that was why
1: they came to me, why Polygon and Vox came to me to do the show, but it certainly couldn't have hurt. Um, I don't think of myself as a film critic, by the way. I am not a film critic. I never wanted to be a film critic. I oh, no, a com- you're stuck. A, you're,
0: you're a, a com- film critic now. <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no, no. I'm a comedy writer. I'm a I'm a uh, an appreciator
0: of fashion, but I am not a film critic. Well, hold on. I'm going to gently nudge back because don't you feel like nowadays, like the critics that you, at least for me, that resonate the most are the ones that you feel the most like in sync to, you know, like I think, it, and this is maybe not the best example, but like. I have a few friends, and when they tell me about a movie that they're into, I'm like, "Oh, because you you get me. You know that I love hackers and all all these like movies that are not sort of like cinematic tour de force, you know, experiences, but like their ability to sell me on a few different things, you know, helps with the movie. Like, I I mean, like that they, in essence, are a better film critic than someone who's going to talk to me about." you know, uh, whether or not the hero's journey was complete. <laughs> well, no, I mean,
1: it, it, here's what I think about film criticism right now. Okay. This is my my grand theory of film criticism and why I don't think of myself as a film critic. Is, be, is film criticism right now is so much about um, people who maybe have an agenda and that agenda might be to... Um, get themselves over, to get their, their own personality over. Uh, it, that agenda could be, you know, some sort of cultural or sociological agenda where, you know, you really want to push a, you know, a, a liberal agenda or a conservative agenda or some sort of, you know, some political thing where you're not talking about the movie. And the movie gets lost in what the current vibe, the situation is in mm-hmm. America or in the world. So we're we're judging movies based on whether or not they they fit a certain um perspective that people have politically or culturally. And that's kind of a bummer because maybe movies should just be movies. Um the podcast as it is now Galaxy Brains that is is, is a show where we do talk about the movies kind of <laughs> the way that it re- people respond to the movie or kind of the weird things that the movie brings up the issues the movie brings up, and, and I think that's good and fine. But I, I miss film critics like Siskel and Ebert who could just talk about well, the movie worked because of these reasons from a from a cinematic standpoint. Versus, well, the, obviously, the starfish and Suicide Squad represents uh, the female uh, genitals, <laughs> and like I don't need I don't need that. And so I think Galaxy Brain's kind of kind of makes makes fun of that that idea. That oh. film criticism has to be about, well, what's the, what's the deeper meaning behind this thing? Um, and some movies don't have a deeper meaning. Some movies are just about what they're about. RoboCop is my favorite movie of all time. And that has a lot of subtext and has a lot going on with it. And it it forces you to confront the, the movie's ideas. And it, it, there are a lot of different ways to interpret that movie. Some people interpret it as just a straight ahead satire about American consumerism. Some people think it's a Jesus narrative. Some people think it's a trans narrative, which I'd never heard before until a couple of years ago. The people see RoboCop as about someone reclaiming their their real identity. Um, and those are cool, awesome things to talk about. But I, it's not about whether or not the movie works. You know, <laughs> Does the movie work as a movie? Those are the things that interest me. And that's why I went to film school is to make movies. I didn't go to film school to talk about movies. That said, it is fun to talk
0: about movies. Well, I mean, but all of the things you said actually, <laughs> unfortunately, counter your argument, and that you are—that's <laughs> yes. a phenomenal criticism no, in the no, sense right. that. Well, no, okay. So here's a here's a comment, and let, let's compare this to cars for a second. Sure, and and I promise you, we're going to talk about clothes and all these other things. But man, like you <laughs> went there quick, and this is—I'm loving it. Good. Um, you're not going to buy a car anymore—a new car. That being said, that's not going to get you to hundred thousand miles, right? Do you? I don't know if you remember. I think we're maybe the same age. I don't know, but like, I don't know if you remember back in the day. You, the big deal was like, can you get a car that's going to last you a hundred thousand miles, right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Now all the cars can do it. There, there's, there's not really a concern of oh, don't buy that car because of rollovers, or don't buy that car because of the, it fails the crash test. Like every car is good enough, and now it's just finding the one that plays into your nostalgia like the Bronco or that plays into your, you know, all the tech that you want. Or vanity, right? So that's, I feel like there's a similar thing like that with most films and someone's going to DM me or tweet at me. I have a bunch of movie writers are going to just rip me a new one on this. But like, I think a lot of movies like get the point across, right? But like what you were talking about is like are they going to go much deeper right like you, you it's like you want and, and like for me and this is because I feel like everyone loves a 24 movies and stuff but like I still when I want to watch a movie I put on Beverly Hills Ninja I put on Heavyweights <laughs> I yes, put sir. on House Guests. like I will I will argue until I'm blue in the face that House Guest is one of the greatest films period um but it's it's everyone, anyone that has like a criticism background, be like, no, like there's, there's holes here. There's plot holes here. This is wrong. This is wrong. And I'm like, no, 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 but it's, it's good enough. And it's, it's a movie and it, it means something to me. Therefore it's good. I don't know.
1: Yeah, uh, well, the, 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 the plot, <laughs> the plot hole thing is, is a thing that I hate about movie criticism too, is cinema sins and all of those YouTube channels that are like, here's 17 mistakes that were made <laughs> in the little mermaid Mistake number 1. Right? Fish can't breathe on land, like we know. <laughs> Jesus. Um I I don't like that. Um I think you have to consider movies uh as art. And art does um demand a certain level of interpretation. Right. And it 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 shouldn't be put into boxes. And film criticism Popular film criticism, the stuff that you read in the newspaper or, you know, on the internet, uh, I won't name any publications because I don't want to get mean emails from people that I know, but those those websites and those newspapers, those magazines, they don't take into account the varied interpretations of the viewers that are watching a thing. Um, for instance, I went to see the movie Ishtar. Uh, yesterday at the okay. Los Feliz 3, um, which is now uh, part of the American Cinematheque and is, is mostly revival theater now. And this is from the eighties. It's directed by Elaine May of the Nichols and May comedy duo It stars, Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman. It's about two very bad nightclub singers from New York who go to Morocco and get caught up in a CIA um, plot to, uh, control uh, the fate of a, a country in the Middle East, a fictional country in the Middle East called Ishtar. And people hated it when it came out. It was the most expensive movie,, um, I think, of, of, uh, to that point, or it, it lost 40 million
0: dollars for it. Was for Sahara: Colombia. No, no, Ishtar. No, 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 I'm saying like it was like the modern day Sahara. Oh, it was like, like the talks movie about Sahara. That. Oh, yeah. I, I, boy, I never talk about Sahara. You mean the Matthew McConaughey movie? Yeah, like it, it's it's known as one of the biggest bombs in history.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. For some reason, I haven't thought about Sahara in a long time. Though Steve Zahn is hot again, so good for him. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, it was it was akin to that, or you know. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> or some movie that was like really expensive and then completely tanked. Um, I, and the reviews that I read, the contemporary reviews of that movie were like, this is a terrible, witless, stupid movie. There's no jokes here. It's so unfunny and annoying. And I can't believe they spent so much money on it. And I watched it for the first time. I'd never seen it before because it's hard to find because it was a massive disaster for, for Columbia. And I think a lot of people were embarrassed by it. And I loved it. And the theater loved it. Everybody was walking out like, oh my God, this is so funny. What the hell happened? That's the thing that I don't like about film criticism is that it gets wrapped up in um, the trends of the day, the conversation about how much a movie costs. Suicide Squad, perfectly good movie. When it came out, the response to Suicide Squad and its box office was, whoa, it's a huge bomb. Oh, no, Warner Brothers is going to lose all his money. <laughs> they made a horrible mistake putting it out on HBO Max, blah, 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 blah. Free Guy comes out the next week, makes almost the exact same amount of money. And all the headlines are, Free Guy does amazing at the box office. Look at that. Isn't that incredible? And <laughs> it's because the, in the, because the trades are in cahoots in some way or in, in, in bed with the exhibitors. And so a movie that doesn't go to streaming is going to get all these plaudits for, wow, look at that, what a great performance. Instead of, this, is the same problem. There's a ceiling for how much money you can make at the box office. It's not fair to the movies. It's not fair to the creators who bust their asses to make these films and, and you know, give their creative energy to these films. To just judge them on how much money they make or some other non-artistic um rationale for not liking a thing i think it sucks
0: yeah that that's actually that's a really really good really good point i mean it it does for me and this kind of brings me to close in the sense that like everything is good and okay it's just is it good and okay to the people that you like the most right like yeah i think we all have five or ten friends and they are like our barometer for you know for whatever it is that we're into whether it's watches or clothes like i have a few friends to where if i send that text and i'm like hey i'm into this or i'm looking at this what do you think their their approval is is everything right so it's you know i've read textbooks about why gerald genta is the greatest watch designer of all time and all these other things but it's like and he's the guy who did the Royal Oak and and he did uh, the Nautilus and all these like classic watches that are, go for 5 to 10x or 100x their value now. And, you know, I don't call bullshit on it, but I'm like, they're fine. They look, he kind of used the same design for a bunch of different watches. That's, he kind of phoned it in. It's not good. And it's like, and for that, you know, just like with films or anything like that, like it's, it's just like every, everyone's kind of like in their own in their own groups, you know, and p- people prefer to be in their own echo chambers. And I think, I used to think that that was really bad as a whole, right? I would say in, in politics, <laughs> let me be very clear: politics is not great because there's, you know, you're not arguing over truth in, in films, right? You're arguing right. over uh, opinion of art. Um, not necessarily did this or this happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think there would be some filmmakers who would argue that their films
1: are truth. You know, I think Fair. Godard at some point in his in his career would have been like, no, the, I make truth. You know, I I give you the truth um, and that is important. And all of these other movies are are fantasy. Not to say that he's right. I'm just saying that there are people who yeah. have who have that kind of large sense of themselves. They're like, no, this is this is the MS, man. This is it. This is as good as it gets. And this is. <laughs> Real life that I'm putting on film, when in reality everything is artifice in some on some level, and everything is subjective. Um, yeah, there's too much subjectivity in the world. I think actually, yeah. uh, in in certain places, you know, uh, we 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 forget that so much of existence is subjective, um, and so when we think about the subjectivity of things, we can then see the objectivity. We can, we can make sense of the fact that we have biases. Mm. If we admit that we have biases. I am not going to go see, um, you know, the Paw Patrol movie. You know, my son, I mean, I'll put it on for my son. You know, I have a, I have a almost four-year-old son, so he'll watch it, I'm not going go to the theater age. see it. Yeah, I'm not going to go yeah. to the theater to see this thing. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go, I, I didn't see Crazy Rich Asians when it came out. Not because I'm against it, not because I think it's a bad movie. I I, I subsequently saw it because my girlfriend made me watch it, but I wasn't going to go see it in the theater because I didn't really, that that kind of movie doesn't excite me. Sure. And I could say, well, that movie's bad because I don't want to see it. But I try not to do that because it is a subjective decision that I'm making, and there is no objective truth in the way that I interact with movies or music or clothes, you know, clothes are the same thing. Just because I don't buy sneakers doesn't mean sneakers are bad.
0: Well, that we may have to disagree on. <laughs> no, oh, I'm I kidding. I, no, I'm totally kidding. Like I, I, I love sneakers, too. I just, I just stopped collecting them because I realized that it was taking over my life. Sure. It's a <laughs> terrible
1: habit. It's an expensive habit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, on on that, like, because I mean, you, you you know, you went to film school, like, but what were the movies that got you into clothes?
1: That's a good question. Movies that got me into
0: clothes. Yeah.
1: A lot of people have been talking about American Gigolo recently because of the return of sort of 90s fashion and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it. That didn't really move me uh, so much. Um, I think if this is going to sound horrible, hit me because he's a bad person now, or I was always a bad person. And now we have (laughs) accepted he's a bad person. But Woody Allen movies got me into thinking about clothes and how to dress because I saw I'm from Central California, a very small town in Central California called Merced. And, you know, we had to drive an hour just to go to Abercrombie. So (laughs) I didn't really have like any sort of fashion um touchstones my father was a horrible dresser uh so i didn't have him to lean on he couldn't even teach me how to tie a tie he hated ties Hmm. um so when i saw woody allen movies and also you know french new wave movies then i got a sense of the sophistication of places like new york and paris and that kind of thing that dressing could matter um otherwise i think i never would have gotten into it my mom did get me a gq mag- magazine subscription when i was younger cuz she was into clothes hmm. or her version of being into clothes which is you know from being from oklahoma small town oklahoma there were certain things that she thought were cool like stacy adams her father wore stacy adams shoes and so she was like you got to get Stacey adams gator loafers hell yeah that's that's cool and so i was i was on to that tip long before people were re-evaluating black fashion and, and and thinking about Dapper Dan and the things that people would be wearing, you know, to go to church on Sundays. I was right. thinking about that stuff before it was cool. Not, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, like, my mom kind of tried to make me. Um, so it was film. Film really was, like, seeing cool, smart people in movies made me want to dress better because I wanted to be sophisticated and smart and artistic and um part of that milieu of of New York kind of um intelligentsia. Yeah.
0: yeah. And do you feel that you kind of like developed your style like from there? Or because I think for some people, like for me, you know, I I wanted to look like, you know, McQueen, but I didn't know who he was. And to be honest, all the McQueen movies that I saw we're so long. Like Bullet is a good movie, but like that's Bullet a long, is long. It's a long movie, and oh, absolutely. and I'm just like, what is you know? It's slow. It was just different from the pace I was in. But I remember when I saw Hackers, um, you know, Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, uh, the 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 greatest, <laughs> like, you know, who else is in it? Matthew Lillard's in it, and Fisher Stevens, right? Yeah. So yeah, um. But that was really cool because it was like, I think I saw it around the time where it was like very, you know, it came out like of the moment and it was nineties fashion. And I was really into like, um, like Tony Miola and like, like soccer goalies and wearing like soccer gear to school or like a, a goalie shirt that had, you know, little pads and stuff in it with some sort of uh, like Avia shoes and, and all of that. And that was like, I felt like it was easier for me to wear and emulate versus at least with, yeah, like seeing, you know, a Woody Allen film, which, I mean, God, his style was just like so on point. It felt like it was like older than me, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know.
1: I always wanted but, to be older. That's the thing. Mm, I, that, I think okay. that's what attracted me to that stuff. Um, I also loved Swingers. And I think that influenced me a little bit because there was that kind of old-timey vibe to, like the old Hollywood thing that was going on. Uh, seemed very approachable as opposed to other fashion um, trends that seemed not approachable. Like a lot of the stuff you're talking about, you know, the kind of Oasis inspired pop inspired soccer kit, uh, sweatpants and that kind of thing. It just didn't feel like me. Um, But, you know, Kramer from Seinfeld wearing uh, like an old bowling shirt or something was, was more my style. Um, I also really loved 24-Hour Party People, the movie uh, with Steve Coogan uh, about the factory records story and uh, Joy Division and all that stuff. I really liked coats. I've always liked layers. I've liked cold environments because I grew up in the hot, hot sun all the time. You know, the American Southwest is not a place where you have a lot of coats. So I really (laughs) loved movies set in England. Um, And I think, you know, also, like I said, being an old... Person in my head and wanting to be sophisticated, that led me to those kinds of those touched touchdowns, those those touch points.
0: Yeah. Do you remember the first thing you got where you felt like, like this is this is my style, or did you always feel like you were emulating other people? Like I I don't think, at least for me, there were a lot of things that I was like, oh, I'm gonna get it because I'm gonna look like this guy, and then I remember switching, you know, to something else where I was like, oh, like I can, I don't need to look like Woody Allen for example, like I'm, yeah. I'm going to build my style on my own. I I don't,
1: I think that happened kind of recently. I think most people go through their lives trying to be someone else. Um, all through college, you know, that was the period of time where the strokes and Interpol and that whole kind of revival of seventies um, and eighties rock music was happening. And uh, so I was trying to emulate those guys for a long time, um, and wearing clothes that were too tight <laughs> for okay. my body. Would you have? To, Oh boy, I mean, I I was thrifting a lot because I couldn't afford anything. So I was going to like Wasteland in San Francisco. I went to San Francisco State University, so I spent a lot of time going to places like Wasteland or going to Crossroads and stuff in the Hate, and just buying like you know stuff off off of the the rack like i had a hugo boss coat that i thought was really cool like a pea coat because pea oh, coats yeah. were, were really hot back then uh, i couldn't afford banded outsiders or any of the stuff that was cool now i can so i'm I'm constantly <laughs> like buying all this stuff off of off of the real real because i couldn't afford it back then and i of course i shopped at h&m yeah, the, oh, yeah. The, i remember the day that h&m opened in san francisco um and there was like a line out the door and there a DJ. <laughs> and I was like, this is it, man. I'm going to look awesome when I go to the club tonight. Wait, uh, like you were Lattis, going to Lattis, clubs? Lattis, yeah, there's this place. There, I, I don't know if it's still there. They still do it. But it's called Pop Scene, which was like a, a weekly club night that would play Brit Pop and then would play, you know, other like sort of indie indie music. And that was the place
0: we all went on Thursday
1: nights Okay, in San Francisco.
0: So did not expect this. But one of my old colleagues, when I worked at the beggars group, um, his name was Jeremy P. Goldstein. And his, (laughs) so like in the office, we didn't have Slack, right? Slack didn't exist. This is 2008. Um, Everyone used AOL Instant Messenger for your office intercommunication through iChat, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, his username to this day is still Jeremy Popsine. And he lives in SF for ages. So there's got to be some there's got to be some connection there. Oh yeah, probably. He was probably like the DJ there. Yeah, I guess so.
1: Or something. Yeah. Um I remember there being very specific people who were like in charge of it and doing the DJ stuff, but I I couldn't for the life of me remember anybody's name because <laughs> it's been too long. God, I'm so old. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I to answer your question, I don't think I really felt like I was dressing the way I wanted to dress until maybe three years ago. I think my divorce was what really made me be like, all right, fine. I'm going (laughs) to dress better. Instead of going to APC, I'm going to dress better. (laughs) I'm going to like pick a a vibe. And I think it also coincided with the acceptance of more generous silhouettes. You know, for a, a long time, I was really frustrated by the way clothes fit because I have a big ass. I mean, that's just a fact. <laughs> me and, and, um, uh, and, and like, oh boy, I'm trying to think of a basketball player. Kyle Lowry has okay. a huge ass too. So me and Kyle Lowry both have huge asses. Like I have a big ass. When I got married, the tailor who did my suit was like, look, we have to take this thing out. You know, you have a very large seat. This is a problem. He said, this is a problem? I mean, he didn't say it was a problem. Oh, okay. I think I inter, internalized him so. saying I had a large seat as oh, I have a problem. I might, <laughs> my, There's something wrong with my body. Um, but I think I just look better in these, you know, kind of more drapey silhouettes. And when everything was really snug and tight and form-fitting and, yeah. you know, a band of outsiders, uh, you know, I listened to the episode with Scott and what, like he's talking about how the clothes should fit and stuff. I was like, I don't want s- s- clothes to fit like that. I can't wear them. Everything's too short. Like my arms look ridiculous. I'm a huge guy. Yeah, I'm six two. Uh, I'm I've got I'm a very broad-shouldered man. I got a big ass. I can't fit in those clothes. So once fashion moved away from you have to be like the 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 Saint Laurent sort of um, look, the yeah. razor sharp look, and darts in every in every blazer. I I started to feel more comfortable uh, in myself and, and how I looked.
0: Isn't that funny? Like in the sense, especially now. And I think with fashion, there's, there's kind of like this convergence of also just being okay and, and confident, right? Like I think maybe yeah, yeah. because the discussion of mental health is more of a norm. And um, we're also just like in film, we, you know, everything is, is good. I don't have, you know, I have a lot of friends who wear all sorts of stuff that I don't wear. And that's fine because that's their style. And I feel like now it's easier to be unique in the clothes that you have as long as you feel confident in it. Right? Like, Yeah. Part of that is age, I think. Yeah. Part of that is
1: growing up and accepting yourself. But it's also, like you said, uh, the the culture is more accepting. Um, There are no trends there there's only personal style that's all that matters and i think that you need you need to hear that sometimes you need to be reminded of that that you don't have to conform to what is or isn't cool um because that stuff doesn't matter it never really has it's been fed to you for a long time
0: mm-hmm.
1: um it's it, like every time that there's an article that comes out about like oh, you know, skinny jeans are bad. Stop wearing skinny jeans. Silhouettes are are bigger now. You just need to wear, you know, more voluminous pants. (laughs) There's somebody on Twitter who's like, you'll take my skinny jeans from my cold, dead hands. And I'm like, you're missing the point. (laughs) You you have missed the point. Wear your skinny jeans for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just know that you don't have to.
0: Yeah. It's, I I think like men are getting a little bit easier with that now because the anytime someone ever you know like someone will slide into my dms or whatever and they'll be like oh I can i pull this off or i'll i'll talk about a brand or something like yeah but i'm not sure i can pull this off i'm like what the like you there is no can i pull this off you just wear it or don't wear it like it's confidence
1: man yeah yeah it's
0: confidence that's what it comes down
1: to is do you feel confident in what you're wearing and people can tell Even when I feel like I've bricked a fit or there's something that's not right about what I'm wearing, if I go into a room and I'm
0: like, I look great, guess what? People will compliment you.
1: That's That's just going to
0: happen. That's true. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's funny because I feel like, uh, you know, it, it like for me, there's a few friends that I'll text and I'll be like, Hey, I'm taking a, I'll send them a fit pic before it, before it goes on, on the, on the feed or on the timeline. I'm like, bad shirt, good shirt, and, like, I have one of them who's like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Like, but, like, I, I'll still psych myself out when I'm, yeah. I'll put something on. or You've already lost at that point. <laughs> yes.
1: yeah. You've lost if you're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, you just need to know. You need to be confident in who you are and you need to be sure of the person that you believe yourself to be inside. That, what you wear is a reflection of that. And so I know, I don't, I try not to be negative about how people dress because it's there's no point. It doesn't matter if I think something looks good on someone else. Do they feel good? That's really what matters. And so when I get compliments on how I look, I know it's not about what I'm wearing necessarily. It's the fact that I've made a sartorial decision and I've committed to it and I am not making excuses for it. And that is what I'm being complimented on. Um... You know, the labels and the things that I uh, have, like, those are important to me because they say something about who I am, but mm. they're not the reason why I look good or mm. think people think I look good because it, again, subjectivity, it's subjective. Some people think I look like a clown, <laughs> I'm sure. Been, there are people like, what the, why is he wearing those mustard pants? What's wrong with him? Why does he show so much of his chest hair? What's his, what's wrong with him? Like, I can't control that. <laughs> so I don't uh, so I don't think about it. I just don't, you know? And I try to dress appropriately for a situation. If I know I'm going out and I wanna be seen, I'm gonna dress to be seen. If I'm going to the grocery store or if I'm taking my son to the park, you think I'm gonna dress up? No. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my my Birkenstock Boston some sweatpants and a hat and, and, and a hoodie or something, and I'm gonna go out to the to the park with my son.
0: There you go. What yeah. was the last thing you wore that like someone complimented you on, or like that you were like this? This is this is my vibe. Like this it is ha- my look. It, it happens a lot. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> okay, and I'm not. Flex. I'm
1: not. I'm not bragging. There was one day we were at, <laughs> my girlfriend and I were in New York, and we were we spent a lot of time in, in Soho, and like we went to um, we went to Dr. Clark, and we went to Balthazar, and like we were just kind of around. Oh yeah, uh, you were hitting the town. As soon as I got off the, the subway, this someone screams at me, "Hey." You look good, man. And I was like, what the, f- what the heck is going on here? Cause people don't do that in Los Angeles. It's just, no- it doesn't happen. Nobody compliments you on how you dress unless they
0: know you. Yeah. Always they're a little like, bit colder in that instance, but yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. People, people aren't looking, they're not staring the way that they do in New York. They're not sizing you up the way they do in New York. Anyway, the last time someone complimented me, I was wearing a vintage nineties Armani blazer. It's actually what I was, I'm wearing today, but I took it off cause it's too hot in my apartment. Um, it's like a navy blue. It's really long. It's got those, you know, the side pockets that don't have flaps so you can put your hands in them. Um, and somebody was like, you always look like grown up, but good. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. So that was that was the last time. That was like three days ago, two days ago, something like that. Oh, damn. I've just, I've developed that um, reputation in my friend group for being the guy who dresses up, who always wears a blazer on a Zoom call or you know, um, cares about fashion because there's a lot of people in LA who don't. That's just a fact. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't, I, 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 you have to cultivate a, a social group that has like-minded interests in LA In New York people kind of find each other. They're like, just like, Oh yeah, this is where the people who do this hang out. This is where the people who do this hang out. But in LA, it's more like you have to cobble these
0: things together. So people were were complimenting your uh, the the Armani fit. What was the last thing you bought recently? Oh boy, the last
1: thing I bought, uh, Stussy, seersucker striped blazer from um, Dover Street Market in LA. Oh damn! And I've, I, I also I could they were sold out of the pant, and I was like, okay, I got to get the matching pants. I, I have a pair of pants that. Like a, just regular navy blue pants would look fine with it, but I'm like I gotta have a full fit. I gotta have the the whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So I found some Dutch website that <laughs> had one pair of pants of my size, and I'm like, I this may or may not be real. I don't care. I'm gonna try. <laughs> Did and you get it? So they're on. They're on the way. Okay, they're on the way. The pants are on the way. The jacket is here though. I love the jacket. It fits amazing. It is cheap. I love Stussy. I'm not a skater guy. I'm not into the, that completely, but it is a good look, and so. I I dabble
0: with, with that kind of, you know, downtown vibe. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially the, and sometimes honestly I feel like the way more casual stuff is, is I feel like does better formally than, than like if you get a seersucker suit from like J press, right. You're going to have a strong shoulder um, full lining. It, it, I don't think it's going to, it's going to display the, the vibe that you want to have when, when you wear it. Like, it looks stuffy. Like, the point is to wear stuffy things that are not stuffy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's another thing that's been so wonderful about the, the course of fashion in the last decade. And, and when I really started to feel like I'm dressing at my best is taking things that are signifiers of adulthood and messing with them. That's why I love Noah. That's why I love ALD. It's why I, I, I love all that stuff, because it's taking these things that I was fascinated by as a child and recontextualizing them and, and reappropriating them for a different audience, an audience that, quite frankly, wasn't me. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm you know biracial. My mom's black. My dad was white. Uh, I'm Jewish. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all kind of mixed up. There's a lot going on here, but I'm still not the guy that is supposed to be wearing J-Press. Mm-hmm. This is that's just the fact, you know, Uh so when when these brands kind of come along to take prep and take classic Americana and tweak them, then I feel like, OK, I can wear this stuff that I always wanted to wear anyway, but I don't feel like a poser. I don't feel like I'm out of place. I feel like this is this is right. And, you know, suit non-traditional suiting from places like Stussy um, give you that that opportunity to to mess with things, to be high and be low at the same time. Uh, and I like that. I like that um, juxtaposition of high and low in, in dressing.
0: Yeah. So, and when I was in Vegas, um, I was with Gian DeLeon, who's the Nordstrom fashion director, and then yeah. and John Moy. And I like, you know, have no problem being the idiot in the room. And in most cases, <laughs> I I try to stay that way. That's Especially, the best place to be, <laughs> is
1: being the dumb, not the dumb one, but like the one who's like, oh, I'm curious about that. Tell me more.
0: Yeah, about, um, I had talked about, I talked with Two-Tone from Born and Raised, and I was telling him, uh, we were just talking about Born and Raised, and he was like, oh, he's like, have you, do you have any of our stuff? And I was like, oh, no, like, I, never. And he was like, well, <laughs> and he's like, well, why? And I was like, well, because like, I, I feel like I'm not, like, I don't think it's, Like, I think it's awesome, but I like, I don't think like I can wear it. Like, I feel like it's like the the cool, like Latin American guy or, um, and I'm explaining this to Moy and Gian. And I was like, you know, there's all these great brands. And a friend of mine started a, that I used to work with at the armory started a brand called torch, which torch sportswear, which is a lot of like really cool vintage athletic inspired stuff. That's all from, um, HBU's and which is where he went, where he went to school. And, um, you know, and I was like, this is awesome, too. But I also felt like, well, I, I, if I wear it, like, is someone going to think I'm, like, trying to pander? Is like, I'm not, you know, uh, but I think it's really cool and I want to celebrate it. I like all this stuff. And Gian, like, immediately cut me off. And he's like, dude, he's like, what you're talking about is representation. And I was like, yeah. He's like, now you understand how John and I felt, like, the majority of our lives at every Ralph campaign, at every J. Yep. Crew thing, at every single, you know, he's like, you He's like, you You didn't see, you know, because Moy had the hot take that he believes that um, uh, white fragility is tied to the rise of PrEP uh, in 2008 and right now because of all of the things that have happened. And he's like, yeah, he's like, there's always just that through line in there that people are like, yeah, I'm going to cling back to these other things right now because my identity's on the line. And these, you know, like most of PrEP culture is like, you know, WASPy. right there right like that's that's a part of it and his his take was that like i feel like this is very tied into into white fragility and i was like oh damn i was like you're i agree with you and but like that was you know in a nutshell because they're doing a thing for new concepts which is basically a reappropriation of like the hashtag menswear movement to me it was like in a perfect stride as to what especially what's happening now because the hot take of ALD, and this, I can't take credit for this because a friend of mine said it is, he's like, oh, ALD is great because it is white dudes appropriating black dudes that appropriated white dude culture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good point. It's, we keep reimagining this stuff. It keeps getting recycled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you said, 2008 prep was a thing, you know, you rem- you remember how Kanye was dressing mm-hmm. back then or, you know, how Pharrell was dressing like that was a that was a big deal. And, and band was a part of that, obviously, like finding um, contemporary uses for these sort of old timey uh, signifiers. Yeah. It's back again. And why is it back? Hard to say. But I think it's because this is American heritage. Yeah. It is just part of the country. Whereas for me, being a person of color from a tiny town where none of this stuff was available in the American West, in California, it's all fascinating to me. It's all exotic to me. And so you can't really tell people how to dress or how to how to uh, engage with clothes. And I think more people should be reimagining and reengaging with classic American fashion. Stuff like Ralph Lauren is great for a reason and it will always be great. The same reason why Armani will always be great. Ralph will always be great because it's great clothes and it doesn't matter that it's not, um, that it wasn't made for black people. We should be able to wear it. Dapper Dan took Gucci and says, I'm going to make it for black people. And that's, that's good and fine and wonderful. And we should be constantly in communication with each other and we should tear down the walls between how white people dress and how black people dress. And cultural appropriation is a bad thing. I agree. People shouldn't be appropriating my culture or, you know, uh, Latino culture or various Asian cultures. They should be doing their own thing, but they should also be experimenting and trying on these, these outfits to see who they really are. Because at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about the culture. It's about who you are inside and how you express yourself. Um, there are sensitive ways to do that, and there are insensitive ways to do that. And I think we're smart enough to be able to separate the Chet Hankses of the world from people who are, have <laughs> legitimate affection for this stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause like for me, especially with prep stuff, I mean, I grew up not, um, you know, I, we weren't like on the streets or anything, but like, um, you know, I, all the clothes that I wanted when I was younger, I had to get a job yep. to get. And so for me having that stuff, you know, getting like polo, right. Just for example, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't get that. Like we couldn't get any of that stuff and that's fine. but um. So, like, for me, like, wearing that is – this is not great, but it's, like, it's an achievement. I'm like, no, 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 like, I'm good enough. And, like, F you if you tell me that I can or can't wear this, like, because I bought it. Like, you know, I got into watches probably for the wrong reason because I was like, okay, sure, I don't have a degree or I don't have this stuff. But, like, I'm good enough to be in the room. Like, I'm I'm wearing this thing, too, that means nothing and is stupid. But, like, you know, you you can't kick me out because I belong. And I feel like that – you know, I mean, it's why everyone loves punk. It's, you know, it's just like, but it's it's funny to hear people who are a part of a specific culture to be like, no, 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 the culture that I represent is evil and bad. And it's like, no, 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 just acknowledge it and, and move on.
1: Yeah, like, at the end of the day, it is all clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just clothes. Yeah, but oh, also, for sure. <laughs> you know, you bring up a really great point about needing to fit in in the room. And if you're a person of color, one of the most important things in your day is making sure you fit in the room. At least if, if you are a person who is a striver, who is a social climber, who is an ambitious person, it's like, I know I'm not going to fit in. Just immediately, I'm mm. not going to fit in. It doesn't matter what I say or what I do, I don't fit in. In this boardroom, in this writer's room, in this job interview, whatever the situation is, you are automatically standing out. And so I think mm. part of why I'm fascinated by and have always liked prep is because it is um a way to fit in. It is a way to um say that you belong. Well I can afford this stuff or I look good in this stuff. I have a, a really a good friend. She's an art critic and a comedian. Her name is Christina Catherine Martinez and she grew up in Southern California. And she said the same thing of like I always want to have nice things because I want to fit in. <laughs> I want I want to I want, to, I want yeah. to show that I am um better than what you think I am. Because mm. when you are a person of color, people make assumptions about you. And it, it may or may not be good <laughs> to be so interested in I wouldn't say assimilation, but in like Dulling the edges off of yourself, but it is unfortunately a a survival mechanism. You know, it's a it's a way to survive.
0: Yeah. No, I mean that's. You're right. I mean, I I feel like that. That's kind of, you know, the the tough part. Well, not like that. Any of what you said is easy, but like the I think the opportunity of a lot of that stuff is like, okay, well, cool. How can I convey what I feel about A, B, and C by just what I wear. Right. And that's why I think a lot of people are, will gravitate towards Noah because Noah represents all of these other things outside of Mm clothes. Right. But if you see me wearing a Noah shirt, you mean that I'm pro this anti this, um, or, I feel like it's, it's a safe assumption yeah. you can make. And it's funny, right? Because the irony is people want to wear clothing to keep people from assuming a certain thing about right. them. Yeah. <laughs> but so you'll wear something and be like, no, assume this about me. Yeah. It's a way, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like a CD collection used to be, you
1: know, or a movie DVD collection. Yeah. It's here's who I am. These are my books. These are my DVDs. These are um, my CDs we don't have physical media uh, to that extent anymore where we did when I was in college. And like, if you didn't have a fight club DVD, something was wrong with you. Now it's, if you have a fight club (laughs) DVD, something is wrong with you. Uh, It's flipped. (laughs) It's very different now, but like the only way that you can really express yourself is the way you dress. And I think part of that is the rise of social media is the fit pick, the very idea of Sharing what you're wearing is so bizarre when you think about it, but it's 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 one of the only ways where we can say to the world, "Here's who I am."
0: Yeah. What is a piece that you own that you find yourself wearing the most? Well, it goes in waves,
1: right? Like anytime I buy something new, I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try every combination of this with this with this. With oh this. yeah. Put that up in the rotation. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then, you know, if it gets too hot, I have to take certain things out. But right now, the thing I'm wearing the most is I got an Issey Miyake um, blazer, with the pleated blazer. And then I have a pair of of pants. Um, and yeah. I wear that all the time because I just immediately stand out again. and 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 those silhouettes look good on me. Like... I have become aware of what looks good on me and what doesn't look good on me. And that always looks good on me. Before I got that, I was wearing this uh, Maison Margiela, um, the collarless blazer a lot. Um, but I, I I like wearing black. I don't know. I'm, I'm in a black mood. Not, not in a dark mood. It's just that I think, I don't know, black feels like the, it's always going to be the most chic color. Oh yeah. Um there's so much there's so much color right now in clothes. Um that I feel like going in the opposite direction and being very monochromatic.
0: I also just love the way David Lynch oh, dresses. Oh. Wow, well you were answering my next question of, of of someone that's not in the industry and that you love how they dress.
1: Yeah, he's he makes effortlessness look Effortful. <laughs> Effortful is not a word.
0: <laughs> it his his spreczatura, for yeah, lack of a better term? Yeah,
1: sure. He's not <laughs> trying, and he looks better than people who try. I appreciate that in him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm constantly looking at the night openings Instagram. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. Who runs that? I don't know. A mystery man or woman or, or you know them or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows who, who this person is who runs it, but it's a it's a treasure trove of inspiration because I am so enamored with the nineties. And I don't know if you read the uh the Jason Diamond GQ piece about Bistro Vibes. Oh yeah. I love yeah, loves, I was, love TV. I was I was quoted in that and uh I like to think of myself as as an ambassador of Bistro Vibes. Because I love that time period, and, and I love the way people looked and how grown up everybody looked, but also not stuffy. Um, it's just a wonderful time for clothes, and so I'm constantly looking at that and thinking about how do I, how do I approach that? How do I get that, that vibe? How do I uh, bring that more into, into
0: my world? Mm. Uh, in the shilling world, what is a film or album that when someone likes, you feel that they understand you? Boy, good question. Um, Probably Clifford. (gasps) Probably
1: Clifford. Get the fuck out of here. Are you kidding me? No, it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. For some reason, it has taken on more of a cult following in the last couple years. I think specifically because people are stuck at home watching movies a lot. But... It's it's a sense of humor that is so dark and malevolent that if you can appreciate that, I think you can get along with me. Um, Another one would be La Story, the Steve Martin film,
0: because
1: that's another that's another fashion um, touch point for me. Uh, Old BMWs and and high waisted pants and uh, buttoned up collars and lots of pastels on women. That was just like, that's the height of cool to me is that movie.
0: Yeah. On On the Clifford note, I I have had very few sort of serious starstruck uh, things with, with folks and with actors and, and people in the industry. Uh, I mean, I used to be a stylist for a bit. So, like, I, you know, I'm like, I can move around people in that world and it's not a big deal. But I met Martin Short once. Oh and I was like, hey, I was like, I want you to know that that Clifford changed my entire life. I was like, it brought my family together. It, it's wow. I was like, but Clifford to me is I mean, this is I was like, it's my rosebud like it is. And he was like, are you kidding? He was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> and, you know, and he was like, oh, Chuck. And, and I guess like, you know, I mean, Grodin, I think, was still alive at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that movie's just so freaking bizarre. Uh, I watch it at least once or twice a year. My wife and I watch it together. Um, I mean, it's up there with like heavyweights and house guests. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's just that's that's awesome that you mentioned Clifford. Sorry, that's why I was so caught off guard. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, I love that movie. It is purposefully
1: transgressive, <laughs> which I always appreciate. As long as it's like the malevolence of the humor. Is not mean spirited, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's not an angry movie. It's not. It's not trying to assault you. You know, I, I think that that's what a lot of comedians and provocateurs of our era don't understand. Mm. Is that the people that they say that they loved, that were transgressive, were not evil or mean or or you know truly hurtful, like. John Waters made movies where people eat shit (laughs) and say, like, oh, if you're just, if you're, if you're a regular person, I want you to die. He didn't really feel that way, but it's, there was some, there was something that was inside of him that, he needed to get out in a movie, but he's a nice person. Yeah. (laughs) You know, David Lynch, everybody who's ever like spoken about him is like, he's the nicest guy in the world. Um, And and there's a human quality to a lot of those people and their work. George Carlin gets, gets credited with being transgressive all the time but he was a humanist he was a person who understood humanity he was the
0: conductor on shining time station you can't be exactly. evil exactly <laughs> <That's> your-
1: <laughs> exactly and so clifford is a movie that is about the world's shittiest boy but he <laughs> the way martin short an adult man plays his child is uh there's this this glint in his eye of of the kind of mischief that kids get up to yeah that is just irresistible and very funny. And Grodin is so good playing off of that, and is so harried. And the man is is he, he died recently. Yeah. Um, he is he's absolutely missed. He's one of a kind. one of the One of the great comedic actors of all time, in my opinion. He,
0: uh, I used to back in the Tumblr days. I used to have a Tumblr called "Look at Me Like a Normal Person," which was the <laughs> callback to <laughs> "Look at Me Like
1: a Human yeah, Boy." Yeah, look at me like a human word. boy. Yeah. I made my son say that and I put it on my Instagram stories last week. <laughs> Look at me like a human boy. <laughs> he doesn't understand what the hell he's saying, but it will Oh, laugh. that's
0: the best part of parenting is I feel like there's all these like dumb things that I think are just comedy gold and you know my kid can like just vibe with it and and i'm like you don't get this but i get it and it's it's one day ch- you're <laughs> gonna
1: get it though young man and it's gonna be awesome because you're gonna like everything i liked because that's how being a kid works <laughs> i'm being sarcastic of course. yeah no I, I <laughs> you gonna will probably <laughs> hate everything that i like yeah it's like this sucks dad <laughs> i'm gonna go on tiktok right now <laughs> this stinks i i've are, are you on tiktok absolutely not no I, God one bless of the you. things that one of the things that's so important to me and my sanity is admitting that I'm old that I'm an adult how man. old are you and I, <sighs> I'm in my let's just say I'm in my mid thirties okay, I'll, I'll be i'm, thir- I'm thirty seven it's fine I was gonna say, okay. i'm gonna be i'm gonna be thirty six <laughs> tomorrow yeah yeah i'm thirty seven yeah so i i'm so you're I'm not getting old.
0: there you're not old
1: no I'm not old but I am getting older and I think that one of the, the, the great joys of, of, of aging is knowing when you don't have to like a thing. Yes. I don't have to be on TikTok if I don't want to be because I don't think I belong there. I It's not for me. Um, I'm sure there will be other social media platforms that I can get around and, and wrap my brain around. But I don't have to be angry about the fact that it's not for me. I will never allow myself to be that person who's like, kids these days don't know what it was really like. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that, that guy ever. I don't, I'm not going to like chase uh, trends and, and clout when I'm in my fifties anymore, but I'm certainly not going to be a grump like a lot of older people are, especially older celebrities. Oh. I can't stand, I can't stand that stuff. Like, don't be that way. Like kids, are going to be who they want to be and they're going to find themselves on their own and you cannot tell them, well, in my day it was like this and it should be this way forever. Cause that's, that's the minute you die inside. Oh yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I was going to say, I I don't, I have a few friends who are like frustrated that they're not, that they, like they don't get TikTok. I'm like, no, I get TikTok. Cause I see them all, all over Instagram. I just, I can't. I'm like an addict that doesn't do drugs. Like that's why I buy clothes. It's just like yeah. I, I would lose myself. You'd never see me again. And I'd be watching how to make candy, you know, for the 10,000th time. <laughs> like I'm just Yeah. Except that it's not
1: for you and move on. Like it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't, there doesn't have to be a litmus test on whether or not um, people get TikTok. I get it. I 100% know why people find it appealing. I know why people watch that stuff. I just don't want to. Yeah. I have other stuff to do, uh, and that's okay. Like, the the society we live in is so wrapped up in you sticking to the trends and being aware of everything and getting on every new platform. And I remember when people were on Clubhouse. Remember Clubhouse? (laughs)
0: Remember Clubhouse? That was last year. Yeah. <laughs> remember that thing? I, I do remember Clubhouse. People, that's my People don't use it anymore. Just, yeah, it's my favorite joke is to be like, do you remember Clubhouse? Because it's like, I, I'll launch the app a few times and it's still the same. Like, you know, all, all the things, all the rooms that they want me to join is uh, that are like crypto hacks, um, you know. The Taliban. <laughs> And crypto people. That's all it is. I will say, I get (laughs) get notifications all the time still, and I keep trying to turn them off. And it's like, well, Keith Stanfield is is on Clubhouse right now. I'm like, what is he doing? He's getting paid to be on Clubhouse right now. well, we're we're getting into, what is a brand that you love to hate?
1: Oh, my God. What a great question. I... I soft hate the brands of clothes where I can't fit into them because of my ass. <laughs> it's like I can't wear these. I can't wear Wales Bonner pants cause they're not made for my ass, oh. which is not cool because a lot of black guys have big asses. Anyway, that's fine. I don't hate whale's Bonner. I just wish that I could, I could fit into some of their clothes cause I'm too big. Um, any of the denim dimness stuff, I, I don't like uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't. I don't like. I don't like any Balenciaga. I don't do it. I don't do it because it feels like an art project. And I know that's why people like his work is because it feels like an art project. Sure. And it's like ooh, you know, but it's it's there should be some sort it's of dialecticality. It's dare leaked. It. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Balenciaga is a parody of fashion. Mm-hmm and i think the the really the the appreciators of couture the appreciators of true high fashion find it funny mm-hmm. because it's poking a finger at the stu- the stuff that they're so uh, you know, enamored with and wrapped up in but it's not practical i've never seen somebody in balenciaga where i'm like that guy looks cool <laughs> You know what? That guy looks cool, because it feels like you're wearing a costume. Yeah, yeah. Clothes being a costume is fine. If that's the person you are is the costume wearer, I just don't I can never be that person. I want to feel comfortable. I don't want to feel like it's Halloween every day when I get up. Oh yeah. but yeah. There are but there are people who dress to make a sta- a true statement. And that's fine. I just don't know if the statement that Balenciaga is making, that Demna is making, is one that I really care about.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm. Do you disagree with me? No, no. Actually, I I absolutely agree with you. Because, um, well, I mean, and here's the thing: like, I like Balenciaga. I just will never own it. I have no desire to purchase it, and um, that's fine. And I, but I, and I think when I see it, I'm always like, oh, that's kind of cool. And you're like. You know, but like a lot of the brands and maybe this is my age too, it's like a lot of the brands that I want to get, I'm like, this is cool because I want to own it for longer than a year. Like if you really do yeah. just buy clothes and you have that, like, I'm going to have this for the next three to six months and then I'm going to buy something else. And I have the money to make that large of an investment and move on. Um, well, I guess power to you. I mean, if I had the money, yeah. would I buy a Balenciaga thing and like wear it? I- I mean, based on the recent things I've seen, probably not, but I know at one time I really wanted the triple S's, but yeah, I did too. I thought about like, oh, I should, if I
1: just like cobbled together $800, I could have these sneakers. But boy, if I wore those out today, it would be like, why are you wearing those? What's oh, wrong yeah. with you?
0: Right? Like, that, What's your problem, man? And that's the thing where it's like, buy love- buy style over brands. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's, I appreciate what they do what he does aesthetically. You know, I appreciate yeah, that he is, he's making, making, um, a point with his clothes. Yes. yes. It's the same way I feel about Rick Owens. I, I, I don't think I would, there are a few things I would wear that are Rick Owens. Not because I think Rick is making bad clothes. Yeah. I think, you know, his, his shows are amazing and they, you know, force you to think about a lot of heady things, but I'm not going to wear head to toe Rick Owens like some people do. Like that's not me. I'm not the <laughs> the CEO of Twitter. <laughs> you know, I'm not yeah. going to dress like that. Cause why would I yeah. um those those clothes are not disposable, but they are not they do not have uh, a long shelf life. They are designed to be a statement for a moment. They are designed to shake you out of your complacency for a little bit and then you move on. Um they don't have a classic um sort of vibe they're not they're not meant to be classic they're meant to be very powerful expressions of what's happening right now yeah. in the head of the designer or in the world or whatever and that's awesome and great but i don't have the means to, to yeah. do that I don't know what people who buy all that stuff do with it after they've made their statement. Like, what do you do uh, you, with your Balenciaga Triple S's? Sell them to the real, real, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say. That's what those things are yeah, for. You,
0: you sell it on whatever third party site. I mean, I used to wear a trail head yeah. to toe, and most of it I gave to Lawrence. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I, I think he gave some of that stuff away. And then a couple of the, yeah, I mean, I sold the all the shoes I had, I sold. But I, I mean, some of the things where it's like, Rick is a brand that I feel like is hard to wear unless you are gonna wear it head to toe. Because like I'll see someone wearing a Rick leather jacket. I mean, you can catch the the silhouette and stuff, or the you know yeah. that he used to have a a lambskin called blistered lamb, which was like like a peeling. You know, it looked like it was blistered, right? Um, yeah, leather, but like that was cool. But then like it just you know it doesn't. I don't know. It, it it feels very L.A. to me, but I feel like a lot of L.A. folks will wear leather jackets because you can wear it year round there. But maybe maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, there there is a uh, more leather here for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know I, I I think most people who are um acolytes of Rick Owens will will agree with me when I say that you either love Rick Owens or you don't wear Rick Owens at yeah. all. You have to love. Rick Owens yeah. to wear Rick Owens. You don't just be like, you know what? I'm going to buy this halter top from Rick Owens and I'm going to
0: wear it, it. And
1: we'll see. Yeah, I'll wear it with, with my, my Ralph bu-
0: jeans or whatever. My double RL <laughs> hat. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: they don't mix and you can't mix and no. match. And one of the things I love the most about clothes is the ability to wake up in the morning and be like, what should I wear today? How do I put something together? What with these pieces? How do I cobble together an outfit? If you are a Rick Owens devotee, man, that's all you wear. True, <laughs> you're like it's either to, either today I'm wearing Rick or I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and that is it. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- those are the things that I I don't hate, but I am just like
0: get this out of here.
1: I, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I cannot, uh, truly engage with this stuff.
0: Yeah. Well then the next, the next question is the opposite of that, which is what's a brand that you hate to love? (sighs) I'm going to get an
1: email about this or something, but rowing blazers probably. (laughs) I, I like, I love their stuff. and, um, You know, full disclosure, they have sent me free clothes before. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I think I hate to love it so much because of the (laughs) reactions I get from people who hate the brand. (laughs) That's what I don't like is if like, you know, someone's thumbing their nose at it and I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to have to justify wearing this stuff. Yeah. Leave me alone. So that, that is the thing where I'm like, (sighs) all right, I'm going to, I'm really going to be like, I'm going to put this on. and. It'll be fine for 90% of the world, but there's going to be that one person who's like, "You wear that? It's an Instagram brand." And I'm like, "Oh, who cares? God, shut up. I like it. I don't care how you dress. I don't hate things. I don't want to hate things anymore. I think it's exhausting to be hating stuff all the time because people will uh find you alienating. That's a difference between New York and Los Angeles. Is in New York, People tell you when they like something, but they also tell you when they hate something. And they will be very vocal about that. <laughs> and That's good. And that is the double-edged sword of life in New York is, boy, you're going to feel like a million mm-hmm. bucks if you hit it. But if you didn't and you get kicked out, well, Sorry. <laughs> You're going to find out how lame you really are from all these people in New York. And in L.A., because everything is a little bit more um, slow-paced and a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more chill, you can experiment and you can do stuff. And people might snicker behind your back. They might be like, what's wrong with this guy? He dresses like a jackass. But they're not going to tell you to your face <laughs> because we're always kissing each other's ass. And I love that. That's my favorite part about LA is we kiss each other's ass <laughs> all the time. It's wonderful. All I have to do is be nice. All I have to do is be nice. And there are people in mm-hmm. New York who see the game, the sort of chess match, the the fencing duel of media and entertainment um, as thrilling. Oh, I can't wait to be the smartest person in this room. And I thought that was cool when I was you know, watching movies and stuff when I was younger. And now I just find it to be repulsive. I don't like it. I, and that's why I live in Los Angeles and not New York oh, yeah. is because I got a, a sniff of it. And I was like, mm, it doesn't smell good to me. <laughs> you don't need to be adversarial all the time. You don't, not everyone needs to be Fran Lebowitz. Fran Lebowitz was popular in the 70s <laughs> for being an asshole. And that's fine. I love Fran Lebowitz, but she was an asshole, mm-hmm. and she's still an asshole, and she'd probably be yep. like, yeah, I'm an asshole. Because that's her shtick. Mm-hmm. And I think there are people in New York media who are like, I want to be like yeah. that. I want to be an, I want to be a jerk. I want to be very exclusive with the things that I do. I want to be specific about who I associate with and who I'm seen with. And I just don't like it. I don't like that, man. I think I like the people that vibe with me and that I vibe with that have similar interests, but I don't look my nose down on people who have different interests than me. And that's that's a thing that I try to project to the world. I'm pro- I'm doing it on purpose. I will admit to doing it on purpose, but it feels better.
0: Uh, hey, I mean, I think it's it'll serve you well and you'll live longer for it. I mean, geez, like my whole, one of the like like biggest criticisms I got for the show. Like when I had started and stuff over the years is people like, you're too nice to people. And I was like, like what the hell? And now like, being
1: nice is cool.
0: Look at, look at yeah. Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People right? found the
1: sitcom that, you know, is just about soccer and stuff. And they're like, this is great. Cause he's yeah. nice. That was all it took. It's like, just be nice. I was a dick for a long time. Cause I worked at vice and we had to be mean. That was part of the deal was you got to be mean. You know, we got to say some things suck because if we don't say things suck, people will think that we'll like anything and that we're sellouts. Of course, we were constantly selling out every day. (laughs) (laughs) Every day it was like, oh, you can't say that because Taco Bell is doing an ad campaign with us. I was like, well, their food tastes like shit. I should be able to say that. No, Taco Bell's delicious, actually. Because we yeah, haven't to well, I do love Taco yeah. Bell, but I'm like, yeah, OK, we can't criticize Taco Bell, not because it's good, but because we've done an ad campaign with, with Taco Bell. That's fine. I get it. I'm older now and I'm more amenable to those sorts of things. But they sh- sharpened us into a fine point to stab people <laughs> with our opinions. <laughs> and then they're like, well, OK, th- you could say whatever you want about those celebrities. But the minute you say something about Taco Bell, forget it. <laughs> You're out. There was a day, was yeah. a day I almost got fired for, for that very thing, for putting out an article that said Taco Bell. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was a day I got my oh vice my ring. Oh, my God. And I got my ring, and I came back, and I was looking at Chartbeat, the monitor you know that we had in, in Brooklyn. And my article was the number one piece on Chartbeat, and I got all these emails like, you might have to go talk to Shane today <laughs> because somebody from sales was like you shouldn't have, you, sh- you had to run that by me before you posted. yum brands is like, pissed okay. <laughs> today's the day i am literally in new york um for the next two days in a hotel i would have to fly back if i got fired today i'd have to like pack up my shit from my not a hotel room it was an airbnb they like, could they didn't get us hotel rooms but like my airbnb i have to go back in shame because i got fired for posting a negative article about yum brands taco bell that would have been embarrassing but thankfully i survived i got to keep my ring and i was there for another year
0: that's incredible uh that's that's hilarious well we are we are starting to wrap up and you've been extremely generous with your time um but the last question is basically just what are you looking forward to the most could be a brand could be a sandwich could be <laughs> could be anything
1: it could be a sandwich. What am I looking forward to the most? Oh, boy. As much as I have slagged off New York in this conversation, I am looking forward to going back to New York in November. It's fun. For a few days, it's like, oh, man, the world is your oyster. Everything is at your fingertips. What's your restaurant
0: There's, in New York?
1: It used to be the Waverly Inn. I used to go to the Waverly Whoa, Inn every time. what a flex. Okay. I would get, you know, I'd get a reservation weeks in advance. And, or I'd just go to the bar and I'd have a drink. I, just, I liked to soak up that kind of Graydon Carter literary vibe when I was in. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go somewhere that would never exist in Los Angeles. You know, there are some people who are like, I'll go to the Palm. I remember I'd go to the Palm a lot when I worked in Midtown. And I was like, this is, I could just do this at home. Why am I here? This sucks. Uh, <laughs> but stuff like the Waverly or even Balthazar feel so New York. Um. that
0: I yeah any McNally restaurant I mean I, the really isn't but you know Balthazar yeah. and Odeon and all those places are all McNally the, joints yeah
1: if it's a Graydon Carter or, or a Keith McNally restaurant you feel like you're in New York and then I mm-hmm. I went to Dr. Clark for the first time and I'll go back again and again and again because the food is amazing and just being in Chinatown and I guess that's Dime Square right is that Dime Square I, I don't know. I don't know any yeah. of this is all these are all words that mean nothing to me <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go yeah well, it's, squander, I mean, bro like well, whatever yeah. whatever, man all right uh, i i live in la i don't care um but i did <laughs> i did love it i sat down the hostess was like i love how you dress and i will never Look forget at you man she said you really capture the vibe of this restaurant <laughs> and I, no one has ever said that to any human being on the planet until that yeah. day like what the hell does this even mean what is the vibe of this restaurant me, I
0: guess. <laughs> Walk a little taller after New that. New
1: York City. It's I. I do love it. I do love it, and uh, I was happy to, to, to go and see people. I got to see uh, Larry and James from from uh, throwing fits, and it was just nice. It was nice to be in that world with those with people like that. You know, it's different here. It, it's always about show business here, and it can be about clothes in New York, and it can be about like art and like the other mm-hmm. stuff
0: yeah I mean, so I left New York in end of September of 2020 and moved back to the suburbs where I'm originally from in the Midwest, and I don't miss the only well what I miss the most is basically like the people and the food, but I was like, this is so great. I was like, i like I have space here, it's cleaner. I can just walk you know my daughter and we go for walks in in the evening, and it's just I don't have to worry about any of these other things. And, you know, I go back to New York basically every other month uh, to, you know, work or finish whatever projects and stuff that I'm working on. And I was there recently and I was like, oh, I actually miss like some of the shittiness in New York. Like I miss sweating on a train platform and it being too hot. I miss being annoyed at um like things that you shouldn't be annoyed about. And it's like... New York still has this energy where everyone is in a rush and everyone, you know, and, and everyone is more important than you. And it's a really nice feeling. Yeah. Weirdly, it is to say. Yeah. I would never <laughs> live there. I would,
1: I would maybe, you know, at the most, if I became incredibly successful, I would like get a second place and, and go there. Yeah. A little pee Yeah, Going there. during the yeah. fall or something. Cause, you oh, know, f- yeah. fire season here is like, June through October. So if I could be in New York from like September to October and then leave right before Thanksgiving, I'd be very happy. So two months, there you essentially. Go. <laughs> but I, you know, I have my son and I can't really just like yeah. leave him. That's why I, st- that's why I stopped doing SNL packets. Cause I was like, all right, I I've gotten too old to ever move to New York. I just, it can't happen. This is never, ever, ever. But I do love, how different it is from Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. I think it's the best city in the world and and there's no other place like it on the planet. But that's true of New York too. New York is also unlike anything on the planet. And sometimes you want a different Mm -hmm. vibe. Sometimes I want to experience that. I just don't want to live in that. Sort of like Vegas. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's fun to go play craps and drink at noon and smoke cigarettes inside sometimes not that i smoke anymore but i you know when i did i was like oh i get to smoke inside but you can't live like that people who live in vegas look so miserable very true Yeah.
0: yeah yeah damn well dave this has been a ton of fun i can't thank you enough for your time thanks for rambling with me thanks for chatting uh serious i really appreciate this this was great
1: of course, man. This was a pleasure. This is uh, your this is a show I listen to for fun. So, it's a, a real honor oh, to get to come Wow, on thank and talk you.
0: That I means that means a lot. I mean that. The podcast is over, but we're not over yet. And we're not over. Thanks so much for listening. Our show is produced by Blammo Media. We're edited by Marlal. Special thanks to you for listening and obviously to Dave Schilling for coming on. The theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And if you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Just send it to a text. You know, just be that random person that sends a text, says, hey, check out this podcast. And be that person who listens to the podcast. So follow us on Instagram in the meantime for all the hot content. And if you want to talk to us, like on the phone, you can't. But you can leave us a voicemail and give us your hot take. We'd love to hear from you. By the way, a bunch of people left some weird voicemails, and they're really funny. Um... I don't know if they were appropriate. I don't know. Whatever. We might put them on anyway. The phone number is 917-267-2495. It's also in the show notes, so just scroll down whatever app you're using. Leave us a message. We'll put your voicemail or whatever hot take you have that's appropriate uh, in a future episode. So email us, if not, if you don't want to use your voice, uh, at info at blamopod.com. And if you want to hang with us and join the Blam Fam, visit patreon.com forward slash blammo where we have tons of extra episodes, our amazing Slack community. Most of those episodes are very more nitty-gritty, inside baseball stuff, so it's all fashion talk and all goofy stuff. It's great. That's it for me. This has been a great week. It's fall. I have, by the way, my drink, if I go to Starbucks, you know, sorry, that I go. I get the short one-pump double. It's a double short one-pump pumpkin spice. No whip. No whip, bam. Usually I get almond milk, but the one that I go to, they never have it. COVID. Who knows? Anyway, I'll see ya.